Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and I want to welcome you to another broadcast. Today, we're going to have another civil justice broadcast. So that means the people that we will be speaking to are locked up in a shadow prison. Now, not every civil justice broadcast will take place in a shadow prison, but most of them will, or at least that's what it looks like as of now. If you're watching on YouTube, I would be so grateful if you subscribe, you can like, but I actually want to give you a reason to like the broadcast and I want you to just give me a generic, like it if you like it, but comment, even if you don't like it, because even if you want to say something negative, the comments help. <laughs> anyway, so the reason I'm putting these style of broadcast on YouTube when I am such a proponent of self-hosting because there's a lot of reasons to self-host. One of the re main reasons that I self-host is to avoid censorship. The other part of it is that I really believe in owning my likeness, my messaging, and so on. And I'm determined to go down the self-hosting path because I do believe that is the future, part of the future of media where we're going. So I do recommend all of you, learn to self-host. It's worth it. But I also want to be honest and say that, well, YouTube has some built-in advantages. <laughs> so while YouTube is still here and while YouTube is going to allow me to speak on this new channel, hence why I'm asking you to subscribe because I'm rebuilding, um, starting from zero. Done it a few times now, but this time I'm going to be a little bit smarter so I can stay on YouTube longer because Let's be honest. YouTube's awesome. They have the right to censor anyone they want because they own the platform. Censorship sucks, but it's up to us to decide, okay, do we want to be censored or not? I don't want to be censored, and that's why I self-host. But for content like this and even clips, YouTube is perfect. I want as many people to hear this message and any other message that's delivered in our civil justice category, but more importantly, working with the civil commitment prisoners slash patients. I want to thank everyone who's listened or watched or even read the transcript from the, I don't know what to really describe, to call that. It wasn't a broadcast, even though I spoke in the opening, but the secret recording of the care conference that took place, that was disturbing. Every time I hear it, I'm more troubled. So what I did yesterday and oh, by the way, we have someone calling in. I'm waiting for the phone to ring. So I'm just going to talk until then. But yesterday, I sent the link to that audio with all of the audio that came from that meeting and then also words that I said. I sent it to CNN, ABC, Fox, NBC. I sent it to independent journalists. I sent it probably to 150 different media outlets. Now, will people listen? I don't know. Will people watch? I don't know. But the information inside of that audio is damning. It's troubling. And it's disturbing. This happens in regular hospitals. There's, and it happens in nursing homes. And it happens in assisted living centers. Not all of them. There's some really amazing nursing homes. There's assisted living centers. I'm sure there's prisons that people get treated pretty nice if you have a lot of money. But civil commitment, I haven't really heard anyone talking about how awesome the accommodations are. And look, 
I get it. They're prisoners. So how much, how many rights do, does a prisoner deserve? Some of you will say zero. Well, I don't know if you've ever been arrested before, but jail's not a lot of fun, even when it's just jail. But how about being locked in a facility that you weren't even charged with anything and you're locked there with little to no hope of getting out and you haven't been charged? There's a guy in MSOP that has not been charged with a crime and has been there I think for 40 years total, or he's been, yeah, I think it's 40 years. His story is wild, but there's so many like that. Daniel, one of the guys that's calling today, same thing, like not 40 years, but his case is troubling because he'd already served his time. He'd been on the streets, living a normal life, happy, contributing to society, he is a God-fearing, Jesus-loving man, and it's genuine. I would think after all of the conversations I've had with him, I would be able to figure it out by now. He is sincere in his beliefs, and he didn't do anything wrong, and yet he's locked away. There. And how he spends his time is fighting and advocating, not just for himself, but for all the others that are unjustly locked away. I don't know if unjust is the word, but does whatever. You know what I'm talking about. At least I think you do. So today, I have no idea why they want to talk. I'm doing this broadcast simply. It's Daniel. Yeah, Daniel and Russ are coming on today. Both upstanding gentlemen, if you ask me. They asked if they could come on today and talk because they have an announcement. I don't know what that is. I don't know anything of what they're about to tell me. So I don't know the subject matter. That said, I'm committed to giving them an outlet so that they can have a voice and get their voice out to the public. I got a bunch of letters today too, by the way, and a care package. But this is super interesting. The United States Department of Justice. I actually sent a complaint to them yesterday also. And I sent them the audio and transcript of what's happening at MSOP. I hope I hear from them. This report in itself is pretty wild. What does this thing here say? Oh, I'll just read this for fun. Thank you to the participants of the 2022 Medical Care Survey. Most of the men at Moose Lake facility are traumatized by the daily abuse inflicted upon them at the hands of the MSOP. For the men who have kept hope alive, we thank you. For the men who refuse to stop fighting, we thank you. There are more people suffering all over the world. Your strength will one day be their strength as the world learns about your courage. Together, we are ending the MSOP. Together, we are finding more humane ways of dealing with sexual violence. Our resistance is in honor of the women and children who continue to suffer while the MSOP preaches its false doctrine, wasting billions that could otherwise be used to protect our communities. We thank you for being a part of the solution. 
We hope you will continue to work with us in the future as the data from the SE surveys are necessary if we are going to shine a light on the shadow prison and bring an end to MSOP. Well, I don't know how informative that was. But oh, so here are the questions that were asked in the survey. Again, I'm just going to kill time until they call. I guess I could push pause, but it's not fun. So these are the questions that were asked in the survey. Is MSOP keeping you confined without a mental illness? Because you see how they're locked up under civil commitment is due to mental illness. But when you speak to a lot of these guys, you will realize they're not mentally ill. They may have PTSD from the crap that's happening to them, but they're not mentally ill. In other words, not mentally ill in the way that justifies them being locked away for the rest of their freaking lives. Question two, do you have any medical conditions that the DOJ should be aware of? Number three, are you currently living in pain? If you listen to the secret audio, you'll see why this question matters a great deal. Nurses are blatantly violating their oath. How long have you been in pain? Are you receiving pain medications? If so, what medications? That is also an interesting question after hearing what I heard a couple of days ago. And you can hear too. It's on my website, joshuatverglund.com, and you can find it on YouTube. Have you signed for a medical transport and are you waiting transport? If so, how long have you been waiting? These are very interesting questions. When, where, why was the survey conducted? The survey was conducted during a time of extreme grief and fear at MSOP, Moose Lake site. 34 detainees had, have died at the MSOP since January of 2017. This equates to one death every 60 days. For a population of 750, this is a relatively high rate of death for any state institution. The survey was conducted to determine whether there is a connection between the rate of deaths at MSOP and the level of medical care provided to, through the detainees. Yeah, this is going to be... Troubling. Oh, look at this. 76% of the participants described various health issues, including a recent stroke, water edema, infections, heart problems, leaky bladder, advanced arthritis, spinal arthritis, chronic rheumatoid arthritis, orbital fracture, nasal fracture, migraine headaches, twisted feet, rectal bleeding, broken teeth, blindness, High blood pressure, hernia, broken teeth, blindness. Boy, vey, this goes on. Deteriorating disc and back, spine, hearing loss, lump on nipple. Holy crap. Okay, they're calling. This is brutal. By the way, that list went on. That list goes on forever. It's like a whole other paragraph. And may be recorded. 
Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using PTL. Hello. Welcome back. You are on the air, my friend. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. I was actually going through that medical survey that, that I got in the mail today. The Overcoming Corruption, Empowering All Nations. The thing that was done with the Department of Justice. That is... Yeah, that survey? Yeah. That. So we didn't do it with them. Gotta say that, but we did it for their records. I filed an official complaint with them yesterday and sent them that video from the tape that came from the CARE conference, as well as Fox News, CNN, ABC, NBC, local papers, and beyond. I sent it everywhere. New York Times... I sent it to everyone that would listen, including the Department of Justice and America, the American with Disability Act. I sent it to their organization as well, the ADA. So, Thank you. yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, the evidence is troubling. That was the most troubling. I've. It's one thing hearing it from you all and then reading stuff online about it, but actually hearing what was coming out of the nurse's mouth. Yeah, that was a little disturbing. So. The work everyone's got to yeah. know. Everyone's got to know. But hey, I know you're limited on time, man. So the floor is yours. You have an announcement to make. Say as you can speak freely here. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I'm a little anxious, but I'm a little excited. I am a Christian. My boss is Jesus Christ. Okay. He came to the earth and he told us how to live, and then he demonstrated it, and then he showed us how we will be glorified if we do what he told us to do. That simple to me, okay? And one of the things he taught us is compassion. And when you see somebody hurting, you help them. Even if it means your own life is threatened. I've been here for six years and I've witnessed 36 deaths. That's a death every 60 days. There's been a total of 97 deaths. And those aren't just numbers. These are people that I'm watching deteriorate from things that are preventable. And after yesterday, after the conference call that you were on the other day, I think you got a taste of what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm watching this firsthand. Wally's, Wally is, is what we call the guy that was on there. And he's one of my best friends. I, I hang out with him all day. So I was closer to his situation then than some of the other guys, but I'm seeing this stuff all the time. So it's become apparent to me that I need to do something for her to really show the compassion that I have. My heart hurts for these guys. I'm young, I'm 36, I don't have health problems yet, and I hope to God that there's somebody that helps me out when I get a little older. This is what we're here for. It's to, to defend each other to love each other. And if that's not done with a sense of an obligation to make a sacrifice, then I don't think it's real. February 13th, James Heydrich, who is a Canadian uh, hospital, he began a hunger strike. Yeah. And he has about 200 guys ready to join him or already have. He contacted me. We're friends. He's in the same situation I've been, only he's in California. I've been in Minnesota. These facilities exist in 20 jurisdictions. I'm going to be joining him along with a couple other guys here. We're going to join him at the hunger strike uh, on the 3rd, 3 3 
I'm just getting some things prepared. This is going to be a little different than what we've done in the past, but let me explain it a little bit. Uh, our demand is simple. It's the same as Mr. Hydrick's, and it's that we want a clear path hole. It's all we want. We're calling for another civil commitment facility to join us in what we're calling a perpetual upper strength. What this means is that if somebody slips up or gives up in any way, that it's okay, there's no shame. If you got to eat one time, maybe two meals to get your bearings back, then do it. But then you go right back to the hunger strike. If you got to drink some water, then do that. Go right back to it. If you go as long as you can without eating. If you go as, as many times as you have to, and you don't stop. There's no need to replan these things. It's perpetual. Yeah, I'm going to treat myself the way that I see them treat me. And I'm going to suffer with my comrades that are, if that's what MSOP wants, for them to suffer, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go without suffering. I'm gonna do it with them. And when they feel better, I'll eat. Or when they create a clear path home, I'll eat. That's what I want is a clear path home. But if they want me to die and suffer, I'll make it easier on them. And I'll expedite the process. So we have families to get home to. We've done hunger strikes before, but we've made the mistake of believing their promises. When they came to the table to negotiate, they didn't follow through. We will not make this mistake again. Until we see action, we're not going to change what we're doing. On the 27th, we had a care conference with Wally. You were a part of that, Joshua. Yeah. And we got an idea of what the health care is like here and what the attitude is here. Yesterday, on the 28th, a group of men were prepared to describe our situation. DHS Commissioner Jody Harkstead, she was invited to his new conference with us, but she refused to show up. <laughs> so we now have no other choice but to join our comrades across the nation for a perpetual hunger strike and that we will continue until we have a clear path home. And that clear path home has to be clear and it has to lead to home and it has to be marked by an action, not a front. Wally has still not received any help since our meeting. And he wanted me to give this little analogy. If you have a dog that's sick, you bring him to the vet, and that vet reacts immediately. Yeah. We are literally being treated as less than animals. And I cannot stand back and act like it's not happening. I can't do it. So, say all that, which is a little intense, I understand that. I was not expecting you to say this. But I want to say this. I'm going to end with this. When Jesus saw the cross, he did not cower. He approached it with grace. And there's a reason he did that. It was to show us not to be afraid to carry our cross and to approach it with grace. And why? How did he show us that? He didn't show us that by dying. He showed us that by raising. The story doesn't end at the cross. It starts at the resurrection. And he's the only one that did it. And he showed me a path. I'm going to face this head on. And I'm going to take the consequences and the suffering like a real disciple as best I can. And I'm not perfect, but I'm going to give this a shot. And I expect glory on the other end. That's what this is about. We're, go we're going to have a breakthrough here. I'm going to make sure. 
if I have any control or any power over it, God will just bless me with and bless us with a breakthrough. I think that it can happen. But I'm going to have to make this thing with some courage because that's what I'm about to do. And I got a couple brothers on my side, but I haven't really acknowledged it much in the facility. I'm hoping that I'll just show by example that I should stick with it. And I expect a glorification for God at the end of it. He's going to be praised at the end of this. There's going to be a miracle that happens here, Joshua. And we're all going to say, Ocean and Joshua and those other guys, they did some good things. But God did this. Because it's going to be something that we're all going to go, we had nothing to do with that. Whoa. That's how it works. He makes us look stupid. And <laughs> he makes himself look great. And I love that. I love it. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to work hard. We work hard for what we believe in. But in the end, he always makes us look like fools. And I love him for it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm done. Thank uh, you. All right, man. Is Russell calling or Daniel calling? Russell's going to call. Daniel. Oh, it's Russell. Daniel. You're Daniel. I'm sorry. I got the thing mixed up. Sorry, Dan. I know Dan. Obviously. Russ is going to call? Oh, brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go give him a thumbs up. He's going to call you right now. All right, homie. Stay in touch, man. Let me know how it's going. Oh, All right. You. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you for using GTL. I don't know how a hunger strike works, uh, where you can eat and then go back to it. It's like fasting, but not really fasting. And we have a cheeseburger. But he sounds serious. How effective? You know what? I should look this up. I'm sitting here talking to you all. Like, why do hunger strikes work? Why do... Oh. There's like a whole thing. Wow, there are some hard. Okay, I'm not gonna waste, you know, your time, audience. Me reading about hunger strikes, but evidently they're effective. There's some people. The best I've ever done with fasting is intermittent fasting and 18 hours, like doing that every day. I don't know about going. Oof. That's the thing that he, I'm sure Daniel's thinking to himself, like the bread, what you live on bread alone. What's that Bible verse? Basically, I had to butcher it. Man, okay, here's another one. This is Ross. Hello, I'm in a free call. Call for subject to monitor and things recorded. Your call will now be accepted. Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Hello, Russ. I hear you have an announcement to make. You don't you sound less enthusiastic than Daniel did. Oh, what'd you have surgery on? Uh hernia. Oh. Are you how are you feeling? So like Stuff, the, uh, I'm, I'm glad that other than the anesthesia, you seem like you're breathing okay 
and you're alive, so that's good. Are you joining Daniel, or do you have a different announcement? Yeah, I have a different announcement. Oh. They call that a later time today. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking that may not be wise. I was going to advise against it. What's your announcement? First off, on your podcast, we're giving up the voice back. So important that we have this this opportunity to have a voice. And my 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 plea to all of our listeners is that please donate to my Man Worldwide Foundation. The, the donations are critical to keep our voices alive and sharing them with the, the rest of my society, the rest of humanity. I mean, without, without two ties, then we wouldn't have this opportunity to let the public know what, what's going on in places like this. I appreciate that. I'm actually not operating the foundation anymore, but I'm doing this work because I now, because I'm here to support you guys because I believe what's happening to you all is wrong. Obviously, I would be grateful for any support that people want to give, but I'm doing this because I, not because the nonprofit closed that down, but I'm doing this because I, I think what's happening there is wrong. And I believe in your mission because it's not just about you guys trying to get out from the shadow prison. There, you're trying to f- stop sexual violence too. Like you yeah. guys have a bigger mission than I think that gets mentioned most of the time. But ultimately, you're trying to stop sexual violence while also trying to protect the taxpayers, while also trying to ease people's suffering because there's people suffering unjustly. In those facilities, especially the one you're at. Well, like all the fire that go into prevent the program. Or even rehabilitation for the youth that are yeah, yeah. that if I there was no resources available for me. And uh, oh crap. I'll let you I'll let you have final minute, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. I got those two five minute calls. I'll call you back, answer, and then hang up, and then I'll give you that fifteen minute call. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for using. Why does that? Okay. Yeah. So there. By the way, I'm grateful that he announced that and. I made the decision to close down Livmana because we were just putting every dime that we made went into that and so that we could serve and continue this mission. And but it was like we weren't get we weren't spending time asking for donations and other things. We did every once in a while. But those of you that have had a nonprofit out there, you know that here in this call. Hello. Yeah, but those if you ever had a nonprofit or have ever worked with a nonprofit, it's fundraising is like what you got to do, and we didn't do that. 
We just, we're going to serve and we're going to trust that God's going to provide. And that was an eye-opening experience. We've put probably 120000 of our own money in it and uh, tried to give away our network and everything else. So it didn't, it just, it wasn't smart business, but we have a heart to serve. So we just change things up, and that's why I'm serving like this now. But if you want to give, God bless you. There'll be notes. There'll be a link in the comments. That would be super. Hello. This is a free call from client at the most like care treatment facility. To accept this free call, calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Thank you for using GTL. What happened? Oh, I don't. Oh, maybe I actually had to pick up the phone and hit whatever. He'll call back. I know he will. Anyway, look, you don't need a nonprofit to serve, is the point. Changed how we're going to serve. And it requires money to do the things that we want to do and how we want to help. It requires money to produce all of this content and distribute it. And everything we do, it still costs money. We just lowered my overhead and there's no sense in trying to operate two businesses. So that's why we have a buy one, give one program and still technically a 501c3. So you can, if you want to donate, thanks. Mission continues regardless. That's the point. Hello. Serving feels amazing. It's my favorite thing to do. I would rather help people that need it all day long than anything else. To accept this free call. I hit zero like 10 times. Come on. Free call. Hang up. Call for the monitor and may be recorded. Your call will now be detected. Thank you for using GTL. Well, oh, welcome back. Oh, I really want to drop that. We have for that. Well, those pictures are going to take time, two or three years or five years or whatever. But it only took up in 1994, it took 97 minutes to create this block. They can end it just as fast. They can, they can do anything that they want to do. <laughs> like, they don't... That's proved a vaccine when it usually takes, what, five to eight years. They did it in a couple months. So, I mean, they can do it. They can make any rule they want and break any rule they want because they do it all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a cop-out. Yeah. But I think it is we got going on right now. We're calling for everyone who hears this message. Call their local legislators. 
Well, the administrator of the MSOP program, that'll present the demand that we've got home for all of us here. In, in Minnesota, Nancy Johnson, the executive director of the MSOP, the rest of the people will start contacting her to demand that she give us a clear path home. For those who are willing to stand up and have the courage to do this, we're asking to contact her number is 651 Four three one four three nine zero. Their email is Nancy period A period Johnson at state.mn.us. Wait, also go slow down. What is what's the email address again? Nancy dot Oh Johnston. Okay. Dot us. Okay. And we're also asking them to contact the Minnesota DHS Commission. And that's Jordy Harpstead. Okay. And to really hammer this home, we're asking them to contact the Minnesota Governor, Tim Wolf. We want to stick with that same thing to man. We want to clear past all. It's their responsibility to develop it. Yeah, I I know that some people that hear this will absolutely be reaching out to them. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm actually going to send. I have two different things that I have that audio from the care conference, and then I've got emails from one of the employees that pretty much proved everything that was happening in the secret audit. It's not really secret because I told them that I was recording them, but like that the employee from the emails I had two months ago, they literally, they were confirming everything that I heard in those meetings and more sex with the inmates and all kinds of stuff. So it's what you guys are saying is actually true. You're not just prisoners trying to get out. Like you're telling the truth. Unbelievable for some people, they like, you don't really believe what it's actually what we're saying. I don't think they believe it. It took me a while to start believing it. It took seeing evidence really to truly believe it. And but I that after that, getting to know you guys, I'm starting to understand that you're definitely not the monsters that they're trying to paint you out to be, and you're definitely not mentally ill. I dad gummit. Okay. That's a lot there. Nancy dot a dot Johnston at state dot MN dot US. Six five one four three one four three nine zero. Who has the guts to call? I'm going to. Because why wouldn't I at this point? Like it, this, this matters. On a side note, the last thing that I would ever think of doing is getting on a microphone after being under anesthesia. I remember having my, after my second back surgery, I tried to conduct business. (laughs) 
It was pretty bad. Oh, he's calling back. Hello. Oh, welcome back. Um, read it. Why do you urge the listeners to read it? Okay. That would pertain to this. So when we talk about prevention, and we're like in Minnesota, where the hundred million dollars can go to rather than going to the shadow prison, can be put into actual prevention programs that actually do have the goal of it. And so I urge our readers or our listeners to read. Uh, prisoning by any other name. The options are Edmar and Hello? Yeah. Uh, the options are Edmar and Blanc. Okay. And then the other document I heard to read is uh, it's a law review by Catherine L. Carpenter. And the law review is titled Panic Legislation. Okay. And those are the two like when I started really understanding how these laws were created it by panic legislation. It took ninety seven minutes for the Minnesota legislature to create this law and it detained over seven hundred people. But in that they've also detained and surveilled our families in the twenty nine year history of this program. Wait, they're spying on your families? Like right now, we had this conversation, and they listen to every conversation that we have. When they come and visit us, they monitor every visit. And the devastating thing about that majority of people don't understand is that this is supposed to be a hospital, right? And we're supposed to receive treatment for whatever we're here for. But for me, when I had my children coming in, and they were young toddlers, they would have to go through these, like, uh, searches. They would be patted down if they wanted. Essentially, these people like criminals just become a visitor to father. And to me, that's pretty devastating. To be able to play it, where I wanted to ask my children or ask the guardians of my children not to bring them in because I don't want them to be subjected as being a criminal. Yeah. No, I can understand that. When people literature by Professor Carpenter and by Samuel Barabah, They'll get to understand of how devastating laws were created and how they've had an impact not only on the people that they've incarcerated, but on our families, on the community. Wow. In Catherine Carpenter's uh, law review, she lays it out so crudely in all the supporting documents and authors that have helped to write this article. There's no reason any program like this place should exist in America. Because people who committed crimes with special nature have such a low recidivism that if those prevention programs and supportive programs were put into place, it would be People who would have those Yeah, re, I mean, having resources available and because I don't believe that people are born 
violent or evil or predatory. I believe they're created through other abuse. And I could be wrong. I don't, I know there's research that would either support or conflict with what I just said, but I'm just knowing my own experience. Like I, I wish that there was resources in place because I was crying out for help and uh, there was not no, no one there to really help. And uh, that's a problem. And then you have other people that I think of people that come out of human trafficking and they try to rehabilitate their life. They go back to trafficking because there's not resources in place for them to help them. It's not, it's more than rehabilitation. It's to also give them, give people a reason to want to stay on the right path or to rehabilitate. Like they've got to have hope at this, on the other side of the work they're doing. Because there's going to be an incentive to want to do it. And then so many does not a a one size fits all thing. But what it does come down to is that there's not resources in place. The money is being sent to all the wrong places. None of it. it, It's not even putting a Band-Aid on a bazooka wound. I don't even know what the hell it's doing. But the fact is, it's it's not money well spent. And it could, these issues could be prevented. These absolutely could be people that get rehabilitated early enough to keep these kind of instances from happening. Like what, what in the hell makes somebody so angry that they would want to become a sexually violent person? What is it? Is it a demon? Is it a spirit? Is it trauma? Is it their own abuse? What is it? But these are the questions that would have to be answered before we just say, you know what? We're going to throw you in a hole and just leave you there, but I'm going to collect billions of dollars and not do anything for your care, but I'm going to throw you in a hole. And that's what they've done to you guys is thrown you into a hole. And that's not right. And it's not a treatment facility. It's false marketing. It's whoever approved this gave a bunch of false information to get it done because the very reasons why taxpayers pay for these facilities, that's not being done at all. Not even close. And that's a problem. That should piss people off over everything. But people are upset about the price of everything going up, yet they're getting paid less money. They're paying higher taxes. Guess what, folks? You're paying for all this crap, too. It's just billions of dollars being wasted. Yeah. I absolutely agree. There's a program on there, a preventive program that's going on in Chicago. It's called Creative Intervention. And the founder of it, her name is Mimi Kim. And if other states were to work with her to develop a prevention program based on her philosophy and what's being developed in uh, Chicago, I think that would be the key right there. Because it focuses on community accountability and organizational accountability. And two people hand in hand. It's not just, well, let's person committed a crime, but set him, but let's charge them, set them to a judicial process, convict them, and then send them to either prison or probation. But in that, the person who suffers the victimization is forgotten. They're pushed aside. Now, what about all these services that could go to helping this person be guilty? Me personally, I feel like if a person committed a crime, like, like take me for example, the crime I committed, I would want my entire community to be involved in my rehabilitation process. Yeah. And that's going to be a focus right there for my rehabilitation, 
for assuring the community that I'm going through the proper rehabilitation, make sure that I do return to society and help the individual. And it's more broader than just the way I'm explaining it, but the community and the organizations in the community need to be involved in everyone's rehabilitation. I'm looking at this Creative Innovations organization, and they're definitely doing something beneficial. Yeah. Yep. This is everything from all kinds of violence, domestic violence, sexual violence, all kinds of stuff. Wow. They have a... Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff, this is the kind of the care that gets things done. And... I believe, and correct, you may be able to correct me you, you more about this than I do, but when you have this kind of approach, like creative interventions, what you also do is help heal the community. Yes, absolutely. Because people get to understand and then get to understand that it's real easy to point the finger. And I want to make this clear. I am not calling you a monster. Okay. I'm not saying that, but I, what I'm saying it's easy for people to go, oh, they're in civil commitment prisons. They're in a shadow prison. They're a bunch of sex offenders, a bunch of just, and look at you like you're a bunch of evil creeps, but yet they don't really know any of your stories. There may be, there probably is some evil creeps there, but not all of you are. So to blanket the term, it's like saying all drag queens are pedophiles. That's not true either. Like not all drag queens are even gay, but it's, but because there's drag queen story hour, and they've got drag queens dancing for kids. Now, all of a sudden, all drag queens are evil. I know it's a weird example, but it's this—it's the same thing. theres It's a lack of understanding, and we judge what we don't understand. Therefore, we're throwing our hate and wasting our energy, or at least putting in negative energy towards something that... who Who's actually the bad guy? The one that takes time to understand, or the one that just dismisses everything as evil? So at least this creative interventions and what you're speaking about actually makes sense. It allows people to understand. It allows, it creates the space for healing that is generational, not just here, I'm going to put a Band-Aid on this or throw one person on a bunch of drugs and give them therapy. This is community healing. This is the approach. Yeah. I like this. I'm glad that you brought that to my attention. Yeah. I've been reaching out. I'm trying to connect with maybe Kimberly. Right now I've called and I've been able to get through. So I've shot letters out her way, and I'm hoping that here's some responses. But oh, maybe if you could connect with her and let her know, hey, these guys are reaching out to you and they want to make connections with you because they want to establish a program in Minnesota that you've got established in Chicago. Absolutely, going to reach out to them, and I'm actually going to send them reasons why they want to pay attention. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to share, man? I think that's about it. I got so much on my mind right now, but it's coming down for this. And it's easy, so I'm still trying to get my bearings and everything. Get soon, recover soon. Reach out anytime, man, if I can do anything for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, man. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay. If you watch this, thank you, because um, looking at me, listening to someone talk and not seeing who they are, I, it can't be much fun. But this will be on podcast, too. And here's the other thing, too. I, I can do all the creative, fun video B-roll stuff to paint the picture, but do that. this is not a glamorous thing. This is just 
the meat and potatoes of technology. It's probably terrible. It doesn't matter. Okay. Hunger strike. A lot going on. Wow. Wasn't expecting to hear that. And he brought up James Heydrich. I know James pretty well. And boy, that guy's got a story. You got to, just for fun, Google James Heydrich. H-Y-D-R-I-C-K. If I could tell you how wild that story is, like, it's one thing what you'll see online, but this story is way crazier. If you ever saw the movie Bloodsport, it ties into that in much in Iran Contra. I'll tell you one thing. I have big ambitions. Uh, I'm not going to share. I've already shared what my vision is. It doesn't matter. But I have big goals, personal goals in this. And yet at the same time, I have my goals for humanity and what I want to see. And I remember the very first time that I said that I wanted to reach into hell, the places that I came from, and pull people out. I want to be a voice for the voiceless. I want to elevate other voices for the voiceless. I want to equip and elevate the voiceless so that they can have a voice. When I said all that the first time and it came through me, it wasn't something that I sat around and go, okay, this sounds clever. It just came out of my mouth in a podcast interview. And it was like, that's my calling card. And at that time, I'm still struggling with DID, which is disassociative identity disorder. And I'm not even like remotely recovered or healed. I just had a heart for God and was ready to change I was, and committed to doing the work. But I was on a journey. It's interesting. I think people liked me more when I was struggling and effed up and still fighting and crawling to, to get my mind. But it was like, as I became more of who God created me to be and then got more vocal about things I'm not going to share in this broadcast because I don't want to get suspended again from these other platforms. But I'm not complaining about that. I just never thought at all. Like I'm doing, here's the thing. It requires popularity to do what I want to do for other people. But as far as my effort and my work, I'm not doing it to be popular. But I would be lying if I told you that I thought that I would be working with sex offenders or people that have been thrown into a sex offender shadow prison. Some of them haven't even tried. I never thought I would be doing this, ever. Never even registered for me. I wanted to do prison ministry, though. I just didn't know these prisons existed. And you know what's interesting? I've been trying to do I, no, I, everything from trying to serve in the church to working in prison ministries or with a prison ministry. Like, I had conversations. And just like the church, all of these promises, all of these, oh, 
I'm going to do this, going to do that. Everyone blinked out. No one followed through on what they said. So when the church rejected us, finally just dusted my feet off and said, screw you guys. Like, I want, I don't know what it is about someone being honest about their testimony and honest about where they're at. Instead of pretending that I got it all figured out. Like, I reject the church. Because if the church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners and chief sinner is coming in, even though I have a heart for God, still saying I'm struggling in these areas, and people turn their back, yeah, I want no part of that. So you know what happened? We, we like dusted our feet. We started our own thing. I have no regrets. The prison ministry didn't welcome us. Or they, the, the organizations that we talked to, oh, yeah, yeah, excited. We're going to send you all the paperwork. Never heard from But you know what? I'm not mad at them because God had something better for me. And I love getting to help these guys. I've met a couple I'm not real fond of, honestly. Some trigger me like they awaken the hurt little boy inside because of what happened to me. I've had a few that have done that. But for the most part, I don't even know that, I don't even believe that some of the people did what they're supposedly they did. I just, I don't. And I, I've really, I'm not blind and I'm not stupid. I know some of, and then and here's the thing, some of them, the ones that are still struggling, they, they'll tell you. So I'm glad that God gave me this assignment. I just hope that I'm able to help. I'm hoping that however we're putting this kind of content out, that there's people listening, people willing to help them. They need help. They need prayer. They need a miracle. And I don't really know what, okay, I know what a hunger strike is now, or at least a little bit more details about it. But I would imagine that they're going to need your prayer for the hunger strike too. Because what I've read about it doesn't sound very pleasant. I wouldn't want to do that. In fact, I would, if I was locked in prison, I would find every way possible to just eat nonstop. That's pretty much what I gave up my peanut butter a few times. That was a smart decision. No one should have to give up their peanut butter. But they're going to hunger strike, so they're going to give up everything. God bless them. I'm just rambling now, so I'm going to stop. I would be grateful if you could support these men by prayer. And thank you for listening. Thank you for watching.